Today on the show, a basketball star takes up the habit, wise business sense under a wimple, and Space Salvi trains our holy hope habit. Our picks of the week and so much more. The Catholic Underground starts right now. Well, hello there. It is time for the Catholic Underground. We are the podcast that tries to cut through the noise of the digital continent and bring you the topics that matter. It's episode number 403. I am Father Chris Decker. Joining me, we've got him. You know him. Kathleen Lee is the executive director of the Woman's New Life Clinic. She joins us. Hey, Kathleen. Hi. Also, Olivia Galino, the student of life, our resident Italian food critic, and sometimes she cooks. Hey, Olivia. Hello. Sometimes she bakes. Sometimes mm. I bake. Sorry, I haven't baked no. today. In a while. I'm sorry. That's okay. And in all time, <laughs> we'll, we'll get there. We'll get there. Yeah. Uh, but that's okay. We'll uh, we'll go up to space too because uh, if there's somebody who's always looking for baked goods, it's Jeff Blackwell. He's the technical director of the CU. He's the commandant of the Jeff Star One near Earth orbit satellite. Hey, Jeff. Hey, it's disco night here at the Jeff Star One. Oh, disco night. I, didn't I don't like we, disco music. So. I didn't realize we had installed <laughs> a disco ball uh, upstairs there. Oh, we have a Spotify account, so we're wearing it out. Ah, I see. I see. Well, there you go. And if you're watching us on the video feed or if you're watching us on the radio by some metaphysical strangeness, uh, Ed Ball is in the ball pit. He is doing the video directing for this episode. Uh, His shoulders are working. We've uh, hoisted a a new monitor into the studio, Mm -hmm. and there are more to come. Uh, So we're doing little little upgrades here and there. Um, But yeah, uh, you can see it's it's, uh, right behind Kathleen. Kathleen always gets the beautiful video shots. I love it. Exactly. Uh, Well, last week there was like a... a fish. A fish pulsating into my yeah. head. Yeah. We, we call it, the fish has a name, you know. For those of you, this is some oh, trivia. Wait. I knew yeah. Stanley. 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 That's, that's the fish. Mm-hmm. Uh, there mm. you go. Named after a bishop of our diocese. Yeah. Yeah. There you go. Uh, yeah. So <laughs> there's your trivia for uh, the Catholic Underground trivia for you. Alrighty. Well, so I don't play sports. What? I know, right? Isn't that crazy? Yes. I'm one of those. I'm one of those priests who doesn't play sports. But, uh, <laughs> but I do know that uh, that of the of the men and women that I have known in my life who do play sports, uh, mm-hmm. faith very often enters into the picture. In fact, yeah. you can't really practice good sportsmanship without having a life of faith. Uh, it almost always intermingles, and uh, that's the case for a Villanova women's basketball star. She gave up the sport of basketball. Basketball. (laughs) Sorry, I didn't mean to go to Ohio for you there. Uh, She gave up the sport of basketball to become a cloistered nun. And uh, this this sort of thing always uh, works its way into um, into a story for for sports networks because it's so it seems so weird for the world for somebody to to make that kind of a commitment. But that's exactly what happened here. So uh, Shelley Pennefather, she was a very very famous. Um, young college-age woman basketball player. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and so the ESPN did a little story on her 25th anniversary as wow. a nun, a poor Claire wow. nun. So yeah, uh, friends and family and teammates of, uh, of Shelly Pennefather gathered this past June for a long-awaited embrace with the former athlete. In fact, it, they waited 25 years uh, to do that. Um, wow. So there was, there was a little time in between those hugs because uh, Pennefather stopped playing basketball professionally to become a nun to live a strictly cloistered life. Yeah. And uh, she, she started as a forward for the Wildcats, so the Villanova Wildcats, from 1983 to 1987. During her collegiate career, she was named an All-America. 
She won the Wade Trophy as the best women's basketball player and was selected three times as the Big East Player of the Year. Mm-hmm. She scored 2,408 points wow. in her career in Villanova, my, which is my. still more than any player, woman or man, mm-hmm. uh, in the school's history. My. In fact, she played professionally for three years in Japan because uh, in the 80s, um, women's basketball was uh, was was very big in Japan, mm-hmm. and it wasn't quite finding its. Um, yeah. uh, some could argue it still hasn't quite found its element in yeah. the United States. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and so she was uh, she was really on the cusp, um, but she yeah. she made the commitment to, uh, to to live her life of faith. So in 1994, she was on the verge of making two hundred thousand dollars annually to play basketball. She left everything and joined the monastery of the Poor Clares in Alexandria, Virginia. Now, the poor clares, as you may remember, uh, are a, an order of cloistered nuns who live by strict rules. They, um, they, they don't sleep for more than four hours at a time. They're limited to one meal per day. Mm-hmm. They don't wear shoes. Uh, they have an intense daily prayer life. And uh, they are restricted from physical contact with others. And so, um, I mean, to the world, this looks very strange. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, on, her, on her first 25th anniversary at the monastery, um, Pinafather, who is now Sister Rose Marie, mm. um, she she is able to uh, to embrace her loved ones mm. as she will be able to do every twenty fifth year. Wow! So wow. if you think about it, you know maybe maybe three or four times in your life, you know yeah. uh, you'll be able to embrace your loved ones. And in the case of of her mother, mm. uh, Mary Jane. Uh, she probably, as of this year, she will maybe embrace her for the last time. Right. You, know, you just never know. And that's really the the, the beautiful thing about mm-hmm. religious life is that it is such a radical, right. radical turning away from the world that you even leave your family behind. Yeah. And if you remember uh, in the scriptures uh, a couple of weeks ago um, on Sunday, Jesus talks about the radical nature of, of, of preferring nothing, not mm-hmm. even the earthly relationships that we have to him. And living out a religious vocation like the poor Claire's do, yeah. like um, like Sister Rosemary does, is a radical sign to the world that this is this is possible, and it is a call. It is a legitimate call from Jesus. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. You know, I was uh, one time I was talking to my students about um, I think some, the um, the missionaries of charity. Yeah, they and, and the idea that in their formation, that's Mother for Teresa's first, order, right, mm-hmm. right, um, that in their for, you know, first year of formation, they they can't have con- you know, some kind of contact. Um, yeah. I've forgotten what I it think is. They have now. to sever. Uh, they have to sever a lot of ties. Yeah. Right? So they have to sever ties with their family right. so that they can commit to their right. formation. And I remember that my girls were so angry. Like mm. <laughs> they're like, "That's not fair." And I was yeah. like, "Wait a minute. Okay, wait. <laughs> Nobody's forcing them into the. Right. They've chosen this life. Right. And this is the meaning behind it. You know. But it is so countercultural. Mm-hmm. Um, and such. You know." To uh, to 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 a you know a layperson can mm-hmm. be pretty extreme. Yeah. Uh, but the reasoning behind it is so beautiful, just to give yourself completely to the Lord. And and that's the, the thing about religious life. Certainly, is it is extreme, and yeah. it does require uh, a very real renunciation. Right. You know, uh, oftentimes I think we we tend to um, Hollywoodify religious mm-hmm. life. Uh, but the truth of the matter is, I mean, I'm I'm a priest of the of a diocese, but uh, but. What I do every day, just going to the grocery store in my cassock, is a radical yeah. renunciation of the world, mm-hmm. and and it doesn't jive with the way that the world thinks that everything should work. Like everything should be seek pleasure, avoid pain, right. always get what you want, never get what you don't. You know, mm-hmm. but that's the beautiful thing about uh, about Sister Rose Marie. So she grew up in a strong Catholic family. Um, her home was filled with with Catholic uh, statuary, with mm-hmm. imagery. Uh, her family said the rosary every night together. Like, are you picking up a theme mm-hmm. here, right? Yeah. 
I mean, she was one of the one of the top college recruits in the nation. She chose Villanova University because uh, Coach Harry Peretta wears the brown scapular, and mm. he also says the rosary every day. Wow. And uh, and Shelley, I should say, Sister Rosemary's sister says Coach, Coach Peretta is not a fake Catholic. He's legit. Mm. Yes, indeed. and that's what you want to know about your teachers yeah. and about your coaches is they're mm. they're legitimate, huh? Mm. They they really. They put their faith where their, where their life is, you know? Right. Uh, and her coach pushed her to excel. He told, uh, told Shelly, now Sister Rosemary, God gave you this gift, speaking of her ability to play basketball. And he said, quote, you're not really using it to the fullest extent, unquote. And so, um, and so she, she gave it her all, and she mm. became, still to this day, the, yeah. the best woman basketball player that the university has seen and that, that we've seen in, in, in many a year. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, so Peretta, the coach, brokered a backdoor deal with the poor Clares. <laughs> said he'd bring the sisters some much-needed supplies every summer in return for his own yearly visit Aww, with Sister Rosemary. So, so he gets to visit with her every every June. He drives three hours down I ninety five and delivers ginger ale and Reese's peanut butter cups. I mean necessities, <laughs> you know. Um, but uh, and also sometimes he'll bring along old teammates mm-hmm. uh, to help. You're right, and because right. they're helping, mm-hmm. so they, you know. They and each so, carry a can of ginger ale. Exactly. And so they get to visit through the screen and they get to hold up their hands through the screen, uh, which is kind of a, a really so a beautiful thing. Uh, one time, Peretta was visiting Sister Rosemary when his phone rang and, uh, and she asked what that was because she had never seen a cell phone together uh, uh-huh. before. Wow. wow. Yeah. yeah uh, on wow. June 9th uh, of this year, of 2019, on the Solemnity of Pentecost, 120 friends and family gathered to greet Sister Rosemary at the Poor Clara Monastery of Mary, Mother of the Church in Alexandria, as she renewed her solemn vows. Um, shortly after the homily, the two wooden doors opened, the whole chapel let out a silent gasp. There she was, 53 years old, standing before them, no screen, I'm starting to cry here. Yeah. <laughs> it's beautiful. Yeah. Uh, without even scanning the crowd, she immediately fixed her eyes where her mom was, and her mm. face lights up, you know, mm. and she goes... Uh, to her. Uh, she renewed her vows. Uh, a procession formed in front of her. Uh, mom was first. Mm-hmm. And then, um, I mean, the embrace happens. And uh, it, it's funny, too, because the, the Pentafathers uh, admit they've never been a touchy-feely family. But when mother and daughter embraced, it seemed to last an eternity. Nobody wanted to let go. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And uh, Mary Jane told her, let's hear it, me crying again. Mm-hmm. Uh, she says, I'll be here at 103 if you can hang in there. Oh. Yeah. yeah. And Sister Rosemary says, I'll try. So if you want to uh, cry along with me, my mm. goodness, it's more than I can handle. Uh, if you want to cry along with me, you can watch uh, on ESPN.com the video, uh, A Long Embrace. It's a seven-minute video. It's really, really beautiful, and it tells a very compelling story, especially in the world in which we live today, mm-hmm. because these radical signs, these radical signs from people that live down the street, from people that, uh, that played sports at your high school gym, you know, were in college with you, these are the radical signs that remind us that we're made for something more. We're not just made to draw a paycheck. Yeah. We're not just made to kind of do things without reason. We're not made to suffer for no reason, yeah. but we can choose these things and a beautiful, beautiful life can come about and we can inspire the lives of others, you know? Mm-hmm. And that's exactly exactly what we see here. So right. I'm, this always excites me yeah. well, whenever yeah. I see these, you know? Um, it might be the first time on, on uh, on Catholic Underground that I've cried on the air. But yeah, well, it was, just, I mean, it was just a little, it was a little eye moistener. That's all it was. Beautiful. But those sorts of, those sorts of things are beautiful. I mean, I cry at the drop of a hat now when I see someone living their vocation mm-hmm. fully and truly. I mm-hmm. mean, whenever I see married couples, right. you know, in public places, 
uh, praying or embracing mm-hmm. or, or or with their children. That makes me cry too. Yeah. I mean, that's the thing. And I suppose it's it's kind of fatherly, right? Whenever you yeah. see whenever you see um, your spiritual children or your spiritual brothers and sisters really kind of breaking through right. that crud of the world to yeah. To yeah. see what really matters, the the things of heaven. Those are the things that, that yeah. just make me tear up. And this is incredible because her of all the support. Like a lot of times, people who enter religious life or they bec- you know enter the seminary, um, they they're met with some some resistance. Even yeah, from, even that's from right. family that's sometimes. True. But here, you know, here is her old. I love this that her mm-hmm. old coach is like. Hey, I'm bring y'all some stuff so yeah. I can see, you know. That's right. My, I'll, my I'll make did. a deal with the I poor players. Yeah. I'll keep you in Reese's peanut butter right? cups if you let me say hello. Right. Yeah. And yeah. then her, then you know, her mom saying, "I'll be here." Yeah. If you want if you'll hang around, yeah. you know, I'll right. be here at 103 if you yeah. hang around. Yeah. yeah. Um, so and how beautiful that is because that's, you know, uh, you know, I, I can I can't imagine because I don't have children, but I can imagine it's very difficult to be a mother mm-hmm. um, and to to be kind of torn between mm-hmm. yeah. this, you want this person to, you know, your child to to embrace a religious life, to embrace yeah. life with God, you know. But at the same time, just the and natural it is. heartache. It's, it's of, not easy, of, and I even see it in the in a parish setting. Mm-hmm. Whenever whenever I'm asking um, a boy to consider being an altar server, yeah. I've actually had parents while I'm standing there next to them saying, "Well, you don't have to do that if you don't want to." Mm-hmm. You know, it, rather yeah. r- before they can make the the choice. There's this intervention because the parent doesn't want to consider yeah. that that, or maybe they are considering that there might be something this could lead to, right? And uh, and it could necessarily mean um, a separation from from their family. You know, right. uh, I, there's a there's a, a young lady who was considering um, entering a convent, and and was just kind of talking about all the different relationships that she doesn't want to leave behind, and mm-hmm. and she's not sure if it's going to be worth it. I said, well, look, I can only speak for myself, but but whenever you you say yes to a religious vocation, uh, a lot of people fall away, yeah. you know. But that's the that's the radical nature of the call. Right. Uh, I mean, we we certainly don't know if um, if Sister Rosemary plays basketball anymore. She right. may have had to to you know hang up her hoop yeah. as well, you know. Yeah. Um, but that's that's the radical nature of it, and all of us are called to to living the gospel radically in some way. Right. Well, the Lord's not going to leave you in that in that. No, and desolation. no, no. And he'll he's, fill that, that exactly. space in his voice. And that's the sure. thing that's countercultural for us yeah. is that we think that we have to provide the grace, mm-hmm. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> you know, yeah. I have to provide the means by which I'm going to succeed or fail. And, uh, and the truth of the matter is the, the Lord is the one who wishes to provide the, the sustenance necessary. And that's what graces are. And we, one of the things that we certainly believe about, uh, certainly our vocations in life is that God will never cease to supply the graces that are necessary for the life that you have chosen. Mm-hmm. If you have if you have discerned and discerned as best as you can, um, then the Lord will allow you the graces necessary to be the best wife, the best father, the best right. husband, the best yeah. priest, the best religious sister, the best nun, um, the best religious brother that you can be. Because whenever we make a choice for God, God makes good on the choice that we make, right? Yeah. He is the one who supplies even what we lack. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that's hard to believe, but it is in fact the truth. You know something else that's the truth? It's us. We are the Catholic Underground. I guess I should amend that. Uh, that we are not the truth, but we simply rebroadcast it. <laughs> in, as, in as much as that uh, it is true that we are the Catholic Underground. We are. Uh, you've been listening to us. We're online at catholicunderground.tv. I'm Father Chris, joined by Kathleen Lee, by Olivia Galino, by Jeff Blackwell, and Ed Ball. Our Picks of the Week are coming up. 
But first, yes. there's another habited individual yes. who has gone to the Lord, yes. but while she was with us, uh, was quite a revolutionary. She was a sassy lady, and yeah. I love her. I love watching videos of a Mother Angelica. If you know, um, if you're familiar with EWTN, uh, Mother Angelica was the driving force behind, behind yeah, that it's network. It's the, the Catholic, uh, global Catholic broadcasting yeah. network now. Mm-hmm. And, you know, um, I think it was this past year, the March for Life, we stopped in, in Hansville and mm. visited and I got to visit her, her not her grave, her tomb, her, yeah. Her tomb, yeah. Mm-hmm. Beautiful, beautiful, beautiful. But um, she was definitely a revolutionary and also a trailblazer because, I mean, the things that this woman did as a as a nun, mm-hmm. right, um, in the what, 70s and 80s, 60s, 70s and 80s? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. When did she die? Uh, in in the 2000s okay yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah yeah so i mean for a long time this woman just like led the church I and think. the thing about it like when she became a, a religious sister when she mm-hmm. became a nun <laughs> she was a she was a she is she has up to the point of her death is a cloistered nun yeah mm-hmm. so that means behind the screen away from the world right and yet was able to yeah she had her own show and yet she had a show. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So at the time she, you know, she was working in the church at a time uh, when the church in America was definitely beginning to flounder and lose part of its identity. Mm-hmm. Um, she brought the faith and orthodoxy to millions through her net, through her TV network, um, which at the time was in and of itself its own, you know, yeah, it, it wasn't, it wasn't supposed to happen. Right. You yeah. know, and, and that's the thing. Yeah. Uh, she she said, "Well, Lord, if you want it, yeah. <laughs> we'll do it." And, right. And so her business tactics, yeah, uh, people still puzzle over them. You know, people would come to EWTN to try to figure out what, how, how are you doing this, mm-hmm. and they still don't make sense today. Yeah, no, <laughs> they don't. It was like, how did you do that? How did you create this this place, this network? Um, but we think that if she were still alive today, uh, there would be some advice that she might share, and mm-hmm. it would be this: number one, do it. Even if it seems ridiculous. That's right. right. She's well known for this quote, quote, unless you are willing to do the ridiculous, God will not do the miraculous. Mm. When you have God, you don't have to know everything about it. You just do it. Right. And she like, often appeared to be doing the r- ridiculous. I'm sure people every day in her life are like, yeah, what? what? Yeah. Um, okay, what are we doing? How is that going to work? Right? Mm-hmm. As a cloister sister, she revolutionized the Christian broadcasting industry and, again, started in her own TV program. Um, she seemed like a walking contradiction, right? Mm-hmm. And so whether she was ordering a giant satellite uh, on faith and no credit, yeah, that's standing true. up to wishy-washy clergy, <laughs> or publicly clashing with dissident bishops and putting their television broadcasting service out of business, she went where God led, even when it seemed crazy. And we're so glad that she did, right? She did it even if it sounded ridiculous. Mm-hmm. Um, number mm-hmm. two, act and then expect God to act. Mm-hmm. This is a toughie. Yeah. I mean, no matter what you do, right. to to step out there, you know, and, and just to say, okay, Lord. Um, in fact, I I remember her saying that, that faith is a one foot on the ground, one foot in the air, and a queasy feeling in the stomach. Oh, yeah. That's pretty much it. Mm-hmm. Well, Raymond Arroyo, who uh, wrote the, the biography on Mother Angelica, tells a story about, um, about her faith and determination to act and then wait for God to act. Mm-hmm. You know, a lot of times we're like, all right, Lord, this is what I need. Do it. And I'll, and then I can move on. Yeah. Um, but she's saying the opposite. You act and then you wait for God to act. So it involves a giant satellite being ordered and delivered to Mother Angelica, uh, who only had $200 in the bank. Um, 
So it was delivered to her place in the middle of nowhere, Alabama. Quite literally. Um, yeah. Um, and all this because she firmly believed God wanted EWTN to happen. So mm-hmm. she acted. The satellite, which which cost all in all $1.5 million, mm-hmm. um, was delivered. So this, the story goes like this. She has $200 in the bank. She has to put down a $600,000 um, delivery deposit mm-hmm. on delivery. Right. And so the truck shows up with the, uh, with, with all the stuff, with, with all the, the stuff. satellite dish. Yeah. And she's like, oh, right. And so she's like, hold on, let me go pray. And so as any good spouse does, she goes and she talks to her spouse. The Lord is like, look, you wanted this mm-hmm. and I don't have $600,000. And what are we going to do? Mm-hmm. And she waited for God to act and, and, she ended, she ended up getting out of the chapel and, and having to go back and she was going to go back and tell the delivery guy, I can't Take it accept back, yeah. it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Where at the time, one of her sisters came running over and was like, Mother Angelica, like, you got to get on the phone right now. This guy won't get off the phone. Some guy in the Bahamas. On his boat. On his boat, right? Um, had read one of her books, one of her, her publishings, and it had changed her, his life. And he's like, I want to support your, your book ministry with six hundred thousand dollars what and Mm -hmm. she's like how soon can you get it to me (laughs) right right. (laughs) the delivery dude is waiting right now right and so the idea that she acted because she felt a a, you know a call from god Mm -hmm. and then she she waited and expected god to to respond um number three defy your doubts Right before ewtm was even a thing mother angelica had the idea to broadcast a catholic tv show um, a cross between master the- masterpiece theater, which I do enjoy, <laughs> and a Bible study complete with a fake fireplace, right? Faux leather chair, mother. It, it was know. it was pretty rough in the early days. Yeah, uh, I've, I mean, I've seen that video. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but she uh, she used her wit and her charm and her keen insight to evangelize. If you've ever seen any of her recordings, she does not pull punches. No, nope. um, she's very very quick and smart. Um, but it all started with one poorly lit mm-hmm. amateur videotape that was filmed on a set and sent to different broadcast companies. We might know a little bit about what that journey looks like for us. That's right. We were talking the other week about how um, it's so nice not to have to put up our blue tarp. Yeah, that's right. You know, that we had to put up and bring down every show. Although that blue tarp is finding new life in our New Orleans studio yeah. for some of our other programming. Yeah. It's yeah. nice. So Just pass um, it down. Yeah, and it was eventually picked up um, by CBN, who was so impressed they asked for 60 episodes in two months. That's a lot of recording. And she was like, uh, 60 episodes, what, what? Mm -hmm. Right? And as uh, as she spoke, images of falling props, hasty exits, and inadvertently removed microphones flickered in her memory. However. All these things that had gone wrong, right? Um, But however she responded, if that's what you need, that's what we'll do. Yep. Defying her doubts. Mm. And she did, because then she acted and waited for God to act. Number four, don't put a a lid on God. Mother Angelica was known to say, quote, never put a lid on God. You can give God a thimble and ask for a quart. It won't work. Hmm. Your plans, your projects, your dreams have to always be bigger than you. So God has room to operate. I want you to get good ideas, crazy ideas, extravagant ideas. Nothing is too much for the Lord to do. Accent on the Lord. Mm -hmm. Right? Everything she accomplished, she did for God. Mm -hmm. It wasn't for her own self but for the Lord, right? She didn't box him in. Instead, she dreamed big, right? She dreamed big with the Lord, and then she let him show off, yeah. right? She acted, and then he acted. 
She thought it was ridiculous. She did it anyway. Mm-hmm. She had doubts in herself, but not in the Lord. Right? Yeah, what, isn't there like a saint or something who says that you pay God a great compliment by asking great things of him? Right. Mm-hmm. Something like that. Yeah, yeah. I love that. Yeah. You know, I kind of think about it sometimes like when I go to the doctor, I'm like, well, I have, you know, this one little pain. I went to the doctor last time I went in. I was like, look, I got a whole list. This is what's going on. We got to fix all this. That's the same thing with God. We could have God. We're like, look, I need this little favor. Right. And he's like, what do you dream about? Mm-hmm. Let me dream with you. Right. Yeah. Um, don't take yourself too seriously. Hello. Right. One of the most enduring qualities about Mother Angelica um, was her ability to not take herself too seriously. Yeah. Right. She was the first to admit that she didn't know um, what she couldn't do. Right. And what her limitations were, but she never let it stop her, which is, I think, a beautiful gift. If you don't know what you can't do, well, then you just do it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Right. You really do have to have a sense of humor, too, right. to allow the Lord to work, um, because life is too serious to be taken seriously, as they right. say. And so you really do have to kind of laugh at some of the the things, some of the predicaments yeah. that, that you get into. Right. Uh, what was it? St. Teresa of Avilis who said, um, Lord, if this if this is how you treat your friends, no wonder you <laughs> have so, so few, few of them, right? you know. Yeah. Uh, and yet that's kind of said tongue in cheek, like, Lord, I'm going to keep moving. But well, right. here it is. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. So so she didn't take herself too seriously, always took God seriously. And she even was known to poke fun at herself um, and even at her poor health, which was a cross that she bore for most of her life. In fact, in the later years, she wore an eye patch and was referred to as the pirate nun mm-hmm. um, by many, many people, which I think is is awesome. And that and she just kind of wore it, yeah, wore it like a badge like on her sleeve. There yeah. it is. Right. Uh, and number six, above all else, be faithful, not afraid. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Right. According to Mother Angelica, quote, faith is one foot on the ground, one foot in the air. An queasy feeling in this. Oh, did I did I jump ahead too far? I mean, that's such a great that's such a great quote, though, Mm -hmm. because it is like, you know, oftentimes we want to feel so secure in our faith. We want to know all the all the answers to our questions, you know, and and, you know, she's saying this is an adventure. Mm -hmm. You know, how many times are you about to jump off a cliff metaphorically or in real life? I don't Mm -hmm. know. You know, and you're about to do something that is going to scare the living daylights out of you. But there's that feeling in your stomach of like, this is going to be really bad yeah. or real good. Yeah. Right. Mm-hmm. And she, she aired on the side of this is going to be real good. The yeah. most important thing to her was not how big her television reach was, which it was um, not how many programs EWTN was airing is still airing. Yep. Right. And not how much money the station was able to bring in to keep operating to her. She says, the only thing that is important is, am I loving God and growing holy every day? Mm. Yep. Beautiful. That's exactly right. Yep. And uh, and so uh, the Lord can do great things with a small yes, yeah. you know, and that's uh, certainly what we ask. And, and in all of our work uh, of evangelization, we ask Mother Mary Angelica of the Annunciation, who uh, went to the Lord on March 27th, 2016, to pray for us, mm. to pray for all those involved in Catholic media. And, uh, and we know that she does and that she is, uh, yeah. absolutely. Because that's what the saints are. They're, they're kind of like our, our rallying cry from heaven, to, uh, going, going to the Lord. And to remind us that, uh, that we, we ought not to be afraid. We, all we have to do is be faithful, and the Lord will, will take over the rest. So uh, make sure you stay right where you are, because there's more coming up on the other side of the break. We're Catholic Underground. Stay right there. Hail Holy Queen, 
Mother of Mercy, our life, our sweetness, and our hope. To Thee do we cry, poor banished children of Eve. To Thee do we send up our sighs, mourning and weeping in this valley of tears. Turn then, most gracious Advocate, thine eyes of mercy towards us, and after this our exile, show unto us the blessed fruit of thy womb, Jesus, O clement, O loving, O sweet Virgin Mary. You are watching and listening to the Catholic Underground, and it is I, Father Chris, your unholy host. At least I'm trying to be holy. I'm, only my confessor knows for sure. Uh, also, Kathleen Lee joins us, Olivia Galino, Jeff Blackwell, and Ed Ball. Yeah, our picks of the week are coming up, but we thought that we would immerse ourselves in uh, a, a topic, a virtue, a document that we like to return to periodically. Because if there's one virtue that seems to be perhaps underexplained and underlived, it's the virtue of hope, mm-hmm. right? And, and yet, uh, Pope Benedict XVI wrote that very curious document about hope. And it was, it was perhaps unexpected, right? Because Deus Caritas Est, right, was his first encyclical. And Space Salvi came after that, right? Mm-hmm. And Space Salvi, um, it talks about uh, the, the Christian virtue of hope, was really unexpected. And yeah. yet is, is a beautiful document. So we thought we'd kind of break it down a little bit uh, more for you. Because we talked about hope before. But it's always good to come back to because hope is that one thing that we can hang on, mm-hmm. uh, especially when everything else seems to be kind of crumbling around us. Yeah, exactly. And we talked about hope, I want to say a couple of weeks ago. Yeah. Um, if you're listening to the podcast you know, simultaneously or if you're a regular watcher slash listener, so that you might be thinking, wait. I'm having deja vu. Olivia has already talked about this. She's talked about it many times. Mm. However, she's going to talk about it again because this is my favorite encyclical, um, along with Deus Caritas Est. But um, like Father Chris was saying, um, it really is a curious kind of encyclical. So it was issued 12 years ago. It's on the theological virtue of hope. These are the things we know. Um, But it's different because most major papal documents are projects that involve a lot of preparation. Um, and actually many collaborators. We, you know, we get an encyclical, it's signed by a pope, um, and they certainly guide it, direct it, um, offer their own input. Um, but remember that not all popes are theologians, right? Um, it's a, a very curious thing that John Paul II was a philosopher, uh, and Pope Benedict was very much a theolo- is very much a theologian, right? So, but as far as like, you know, being the pope, it's not required that you be a theologian. So, But it helps. It helps, <laughs> right? As we'll see, it helps. Um, so uh, most papal encyclicals involve a lot of collaboration, right? They have many drafters, what they're called. Um, so think about like Veritatis Splendor, if you've ever read that, I think it was 1994 is mm-hmm. when that, that one came out. Um, that was John Paul II um, on like the moral life. Um, but that took seven years of preparation, right? And it's a, it's a pretty hefty as far as encyclical, encyclicals go. Like it's, mm-hmm. it's a nice size. Um, I but think all of John Paul II's writings are, are hefty. Yes. He doesn't say anything in one sentence that he That's couldn't true. say in eight. That's true. <laughs> yes. That's very true. Yeah. So, um, I mean, that took seven years. And then you have other like mammoth works of Pope Francis that you've maybe you know heard of or read li- recently, like Evangelii Gaudium. 
Um, and Maris Letizia, right? These are the longest papal documents in history. And they're so long that they're, you know, pretty evidently the work of several drafters, right? Yeah. Or even like Lumen Fide that came out right after Pope Francis was, um, you know, uh, elected Pope. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, the re- like it kind of shows us something that it came out so quickly after he became the Pope. Um, it showed us that, you know, Benedict's drafters had already started working on this right. document, right? Um, but Space Obby is different than all of these, right? So the Vatican drafters were actually at work on the social encyclical Caritas in Veritate, which came out in 2009. Mm-hmm. So Benedict issued three encyclicals. Number one, Deus Caritas S, God is Love, uh, in 2005, I want to say. Mm, and then, that sounds about right. Yeah, yeah uh, I want to say 2005. And then uh, Space Avi 2007 and Caritas in Veritate in 2009. Um, and it's it, like I said, it's a social encyclical. It's continuing a long line of the social encyclicals starting with Rerum Novarum in the 1800s. Um, and Benedict was devoting his spare time at that time, um, which, you know, whatever spare time a pope has, but he was writing his three-volume Life of Christ, which you might have heard of, mine own. Which um, is fantastic. It's so yeah. good. Oh, it's so good. Um, and, but the first of those books appeared in May 2007, so it's, it's happening all around this time. Um, but then he came back from his kind of summer vacation at Castel Gandolfo. Um, and apparently this is how Pope Benedict parties in the summer, um, <laughs> because he surprised everyone with a complete polished magisterial meditation on hope. And that's what space Alvi is. Um, and, and then it was confirmed by the second volume of Jesus of Nazareth, Jesus of Nazareth being that three volume series mm-hmm. that he, uh, that he authored. Um, it was then really confirmed by that. And that was published in 2011. Um, it kind of became clear to the world that that Pope Benedict Joseph Ratzinger was really the most learned man alive Um, and I wholeheartedly agree with that statement Um, I personally think that like you know Pope Benedict will probably be a doctor of the church one day just because if nothing else he's one of the greatest Pope theologians and just theologians uh, the church has ever had give it 500 years and I think you're right yeah Oh gosh, that's okay. We think it's in centuries, okay. right? We're the yeah. church. It's know? okay. His contributions still matter, even if they haven't been recognized uh, as such, or won't be until you know he's declared a doctor of the church. Whatever. Okay, so <laughs> let's talk about space alvi. Um, so space alvi really is the work of a brilliant mind. We've established that he's absolutely 100% thoroughly brilliant, um, but he's steeped in the Christian tradition, and he's got this pastoral heart. Right? Benedict is, you know, sometimes misunderstood, but he's got the heart of a father, mm-hmm. um, and and he sees, he knows the aspirations, the anxieties in his flock, right, in his children, um, and he really has this like simple piety um, that that kind of animates his his papacy, his priesthood, um, that he he learns from the faithful, right? He learns that simple piety from the faithful. So um, if you read Space Alvi, you'll see that he kind of gives you the gamut of like its philosophy, its theology. It's a, I mean, he, he doesn't pull any punches, right? It's a legitimate meditation on hope and he'll take you way down into the depths. Um, but it's really um, like what I found transformative. And then this article that we're uh, referring to from Catholic Herald UK refers to the same thing. Um, he uses a model of hope or he presents as a model of hope. Um, St. Josephine Bakita, mm-hmm. um, which maybe she doesn't get a whole lot of airtime nowadays. Uh, at least like I had never really heard of her until Benedict mentioned her. I went and looked her up. Um, but she was a Sudanese slave yeah. turned, um, Kenosian sister, religious sister, um, and it was John Paul II who canonized her during one of his jubilee years. Um, and so Benedict presents her as a, a model of hope. And her story is, is kind of sad on the, on the surface, right? She's a, a slave. She gets passed around from master to master. Um, and she finally 
um, is, you know, purchased Mm -hmm. by, uh, by a master who is more benevolent, who's, you know, kinder to her than others. Um, and it's, you know, through, I think that, I think if I'm remembering right, his, um, you know, he was Christian, his, him and his family were Christians and that kind of introduced her to, um, St. Josephine Bikita to Christianity and ultimately like who is the Lord, right. But a loving father. And she had never had that in her life. Right. Um, but this is what Benedict writes. He says, now she had hope. No longer simply the modest hope of finding masters who would be less cruel, but the great hope. Quote, I am definitively loved, and whatever happens to me, I am awaited by this love, and so my life is good. Through the knowledge of this hope, she was redeemed, no longer a slave, but a free child of God. Right? So I love that. Like. I mean, I, I don't know. I, I read that a lot. To I have it on one of my quote boards um, in my had in my office, and and I still have it, you know, near me today. But it, I love that. I'm definitively loved, and whatever happens to me, I'm awaited by this love, and so my life is good, right? Like that's hope that animates your life. If you can, in the midst of you know, really no perceivable joy and from start to finish in your life, you can still say, and so my life is good. Yeah. Right. Because you know that someone that you are awaited by love, that your life is comes from love and is intended for love. Yeah. I, I, I can only, I mean, I try to, to place myself there as, as a, a man who is striving after the heart of God. And oftentimes at the end of the day, that's what I have to say. Well, my life is good because I have being, and I know where I'm going, yeah. you know, um, and, and that's not always easy to hang your hat on, especially if you're if you're in a place of suffering. Exactly. Yeah. And that's another thing that I think Benedict does really well is that he helps us to see beyond, um, like, especially when it comes to hope. Like, I think it might be hard for us to conceptualize like, well, OK, so I, I hope for something outside the present moment. We talked about this a few weeks ago, too, that, um, you know, I hope for something outside the present moment. But hope is not just something that gets us to look up, but it gives us direction. Yeah. Right. It's not just some, it's not like an escape mechanism. It's a way to, to look up even in, in, in the midst of tragedy and to say, OK, I'm going to be here, but yeah. I know where I'm going. Right. Um, and so Space Salvi does a really beautiful job of, of telling us how, you know, love or really just showing us how love can free us from maybe like the prison of history as just like one thing after another, right? Mm-hmm. That's sometimes how we perceive our lives, right? Maybe something good happens and then something bad happens and then maybe another bad thing happens and then we just wait for the next good thing and it's just moment by moment by moment. And even mm-hmm. if you look at history, maybe maybe if you've ever studied history, you, you kind of see that pattern of like, well, things are good for a time and then they're really bad for a time and then they're really good and really bad. And it just seems like maybe that's this endless cycle that just you know, mm-hmm. how do we escape? How do we, how do we get rid of this? How do we make things better? Um, but I love what Benedict says about this. He says that, um, to imagine ourselves outside the temporality that imprisons us, right? The temporality that imprisons us. The time. Basically. Yeah. yeah. And in some way to sense that eternity is not, is not an unending succession of days in the calendar, right? Sometimes we have that perception of heaven is just like, just like earth, but things are happy and we all, I don't know, we have all right, we can eat. It's one 24 hour period after no- another. Exactly. Yeah. Uh, but we want for nothing. But yeah. that that's not an accurate portrayal of, of heaven. Right. And so if we look at it, at heaven in the same way that we look with the eyes of earth on a temporal way mm-hmm. in a, in a time oriented way, then we, we don't always, I, I don't think we get an accurate view of, oh, no. of what, it, of why we ought to hope. No, exactly. And I love that he says, um, you know, so it's not this unending succession of days in the calendar, but something more like the supreme moment of satisfaction. 
oof. Mm. Supreme moment of satisfaction in which totality embraces us and we embrace totality, right? Because who mm. is that totality? It's God. God is is all in all. God is is all being. God is, right? Um, so, so totality so, embraces us and we embrace totality. And I suppose we can kind of, uh, I can't say replicate, but perhaps um, uh, synthesize just a brief moment of that. If you think about one of the, the most satisfying moments that you've experienced in the past just week, you know, mm-hmm. uh, yeah. maybe it is that, that sip of coffee in the morning, you know, that first, that first little slurp, huh? Mm-hmm. Uh, maybe it's a maybe it's a well-made pina colada, you know. Maybe something like that. Mm-hmm. But but at any at any rate, that little that little infinitesimal moment of satisfaction. Imagine that yeah. being eternity. Yeah. Right. Supreme satisfaction, which of course is God. That's something that I would want. In the same way that I can hope for that first sip of coffee tomorrow morning and the morning mm-hmm. after that. Uh, that that's a source of hope for me. That that I can get to the point where I am completely and fully satisfied. And that happens outside of time, ultimately. Yeah. And it's that satisfaction. I think, you know, pointing out those moments in our lives where we can find satisfaction is really key because then we're forced to look at like, well, why am I satisfied Mm -hmm. in this moment? Right. Mm -hmm. And usually it's because there's some kind of enjoyment, there's some kind of pleasure, there's some kind of fulfillment. Right. Or there's just like the the, need is being met, maybe that we didn't even know that we had. Um, and so when we think about like our ultimate satisfaction, right, totality embraces us, right? Totality of, of everything, but especially like totality of desire, totality of fulfillment embraces us. So you, you want for nothing. Um, but he says that, you know, that would be like plunging into the ocean of infinite love, a moment in which time, the before and after no longer exists, right? Plunging into the ocean of infinite love. I love that. It reminds me so much of... Romans 5, so you probably heard like hope does not disappoint, mm-hmm. but I love, I'm going to back it up a little bit to verse 3 um, and says, well, verse 2. So the end of verse 2 says, we boast in our hope of sharing the glory of God, but it says, and not only that, but we also boast in our sufferings, knowing that suffering produces endurance and endurance produces character and character produces hope and hope does not disappoint. Because God's love has been poured into our hearts through the Holy Spirit that has been given to us, right? It's, if hope does not disappoint, number one, it's because we found a way to rejoice in our sufferings, usually through grace, right? Yeah. Allowing the Lord to help us do that. But then also because God's, what has it happened? God's love pours into our hearts, right? Doesn't just trickle. No. Doesn't just like throw some grace in our direction, right? He pours into us. And it does that through the Holy Spirit that has been given to us, right? The word, the words of gift, mm-hmm. right? And it, so if hope does not disappoint is because it's it's God's love that we're being immersed in, mm-hmm. right? Um, I, I was praying a novena to the, the precious blood recently, and it talks about at one point, like um, the, the graces that we need that we're praying for flowing to us, like on a, a wave of the Lord's blood flowing from the cross. Oh, wow. And like that image is just kind of stuck in my brain. Mm-hmm. Um, but that's what I imagine, right? Like that's the love of God being poured out for us through the Holy Spirit. Um, and that's, that's truly where our hope is to be found, right? The infinite love of God, right? Um, and I, so I was, I was thinking about that this week. I went to visit some classmates and we drove down to Florida for a few days Oh, nice! and, uh, and to see kind of the never ending succession of waves, whether it's high or low tide, 
that there is always water coming to the shore mm-hmm. and and um, it's it's always a crash on the beach you know it's very mm-hmm. it's very rarely something that um, that doesn't move sand right mm-hmm. and and the Lord's grace is always willing to be an overflow a, a crash into us right uh, that that uh, that actually brings calm and brings peace and mm. doesn't bring the thing that that a wave usually brings right yeah. a wave usually brings destruction as it creates this chaos but but the when the lord pours his grace into us mm-hmm. um, we actually are calmed we are uh, emboldened we are right. courageous yeah well i think it ties in with what kathleen was saying earlier about not putting a lid on god right yeah because yeah. the temptation can be to just like pray for a trickle right yeah. pray for like you know, just like these tiny things, I'll handle yeah. the rest, but like, here's the things that you can handle, right? But God doesn't want that, right? God wants an ocean of of his infinite love is that that's what he wants us to be immersed in an ocean, yeah. Yeah. right? And we can't, we can't plumb the depths of the ocean. We can't swim the, 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 the depth, the, not the, the breadth of the ocean. Mm-hmm. Right. Um, and so it's like, imagine like the immensity of, of God's love. If, if the ocean is the metaphor that he picks, yeah. right. Um, and all for you. Right. All of that for you. So if nothing else, this should give us this the, the conviction of hope. Yeah. Right. And you as an individual, that's yeah. that's the thing is yeah. the Lord. Uh, Jesus makes it very clear that that God, the father goes after you. Uh, he, he will forsake the ninety nine to go after you. And he wants to share faith and hope and love with you. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. And so um you know, so the creati- creativity of space Alvi, we've talked a lot about love. It's not just limited to his treatment of love, but also justice, which is an interesting perspective when we talk about hope, right? A lot of times when you think about hope, you think about love and mercy, but he brings in justice. And I think it ties in really well to his encyclical, his social encyclical, Caritas and Veritate, which is um, like love and truth, right? Um, but he says that, you know, our hope for something more, something beyond this world, and again, across the threshold of death, mm-hmm. it's not only a desire for love beyond love, limits like we've been talking about, but also a desire for a limit to evil, right? A desire for justice. And that's, that's justice, a desire for a limit to evil. Yeah. Yeah. And I mean, I I think uh, John Paul II talked about um, divine mercy being um, like the limit on, on Satan's reach in this world. Mm -hmm. Um, Especially when you think about um, like the timing of uh, St. Faustina's message of divine mercy, like in the uh, you know, early, mid to early, uh, or early to mid 1900s, mm-hmm. right? World wars are happening, yeah. right? Communism is happening, um, mass oppression and genocide, right? Um, but that's when the message of divine mercy is being reiterated, being really like, yeah, put so flushed that, on. That, yes, that these will end. Yeah, exactly. Mm-hmm. So, uh, but that's what mercy does, right? It, and that's what hope does. It puts a limit on evil. Um, and so ben, Pope Benedict says that our hope demands the triumph of justice, which plainly does not prevail in this world, right? Mm-hmm. Um, we see that all the time. Um, and he says that I'm convinced that the question of justice constitutes the essential argument, or in any case, the strongest argument in favor of faith in eternal life, right? The idea that like, okay, so there's not justice in this world, right? But there's still got to be justice, right? We know that. We have faith that, um, that, that you know, the limit to evil will be imposed, right? And also that, you know, if our actions have consequences and we didn't, we're not seeing them in this life, all right, well, they're coming, right? right? Because, you know, one plus two doesn't equal nothing. Mm-hmm. I mean, we, we know that it has to go somewhere. Um, and so he says that the, the purely individual need for a fulfillment that's denied to us in this life, like the, the need for justice in some way, yeah. um, for an everlasting love that we await, is, he says is certainly an important motive for believing that man was made for an eternity, right? He's finding a way into eternity just through this need for justice. Yep. Um, 
but again, only in connection with the impossibility that the injustice of history is the final word, right? Because if that was the final word, well, that's just a, a catalyst into hopelessness, right? Yeah. We look around at the world, we see a lot of injustice and a lot of justice not being won or, or not maybe even being reversed mm -hmm. in, certain, in certain instances. And, um, and we know that that's not the end. That's not the final word. That's right. And nor is revenge the end. Exactly. You know? Yeah. That the injustice of getting what I want rather than what is due. Exactly. Yeah. So we have this, this promise of, of infinite love of eternal love. Um, and he says that the strongest argument for eternal life is not that we might love forever, but that in eternity justice might be wrought for those who were denied it here. Hmm. Right. So that's how he kind of, he slides his way into this discussion of like heaven, uh, purgatory and hell. And it's a really, be I mean, he spends a paragraph on each, but I really recommend going to read that if you've ever had questions about those things and how it fits with this dynamic of, of love and mercy and justice. Right. These principles that we are kind of familiar with, but we don't understand how they're applied um, to, to those eternal truths. Um, so basically what he says is that God is justice. God creates justice. Yep. And that is our consolation and our hope. Right. Mm -hmm. It's in, because it's in his justice that there is also what grace. Right. Um, you he heard said, that teacher phrase. <laughs> there's in that justice. But there's also what. <laughs> <laughs> It's okay. It's didactic. That's I good. I love it. I yeah. love it. Thanks, Kathleen. You're welcome. Um, but yeah, but he says that we know by turning our gaze to what? The crucified and risen Christ. I'm doing it again. Um, that these things, justice and grace, they're seen in their correct inner relationship. Right. Because in the person, Jesus Christ, yeah. these two components come together, justice and grace. Exactly. Yeah. And we and we know that to be true. Look at the, look at the cross. Justice is being served. Yes. Right. But there's also grace. Grace yeah. doesn't cancel out justice. Just because Jesus ma is made flesh doesn't mean that, oh, well, death runs away and mm -hmm. is not a consequence anymore. No, like Christ takes that burden onto himself. Mm -hmm. So justice is very much the order of the day, but it's grace ultimately that, that exists co coincides with it, exists side by side with justice. Um, and both of those things together should give us hope, right? The cross should give us hope, mm -hmm. right? Even in the midst of suffering um, and even in the midst of, of you know, just maybe we look around we, again, we see that injustice in the world. Mm -hmm. We should be able to look at the cross and see not only mercy and not only love, but we should see grace and we should see justice and That's we right. should have hope that, all right, maybe it's not going to happen in this life. Mm -hmm. I got to be cool with that. I got to find a way to endure that and that'll produce character and that will produce hope, right? I have to find a way through that, but at least I know that the promise of justice exists, right? right? And grace and, and is real. And that's why we as Catholics don't shy away from the crucifix. No. Right? The, the, the body of Jesus is on the cross, not because he is dying, but because he will be triumphant, exactly. <laughs> you know? Uh, and, and in his death is the, the grace, the justice, and the mercy coming together, mm -hmm. because in his resurrection, all the things that are promised are fulfilled. Yeah. And that's why we hope in the cross. Christ is our only hope. And not, and not just Christ uh, living, but Christ died and Christ risen. Right? Yeah. And that's, that's a great mystery. That's what we proclaim whenever we come to Mass. The great mystery of faith is that we proclaim Christ died and risen because it is from that that, that glory is coming for all of us, right? Mm -hmm. that, that we are able to receive that which we hope for. Yeah, absolutely. Very good. Well, I tell you, uh, we could go on and on and on about hope. But if we did that, we wouldn't have time for that part of the program that we like to call the CU Pick of the Week. Alrighty, for our first CU Pick of the Week, 
How about we go to Kathleen? Cause, Yay! Because Father you know. Chris hates Kevin. <laughs> no, Poor. I don't. I don't hate Kevin. Poor Kevin. Mm-hmm. All right, my pick of the week um, this week is 40 Days for Life. This is yeah. a campaign that's going on uh, now around the world. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, 40 days of prayer and fasting um, for an into abortion. And so this happens. There are many sites. Most of them are outside of an abortion clinic. We'll have one here in Baton Rouge. Um, which we're super excited about. But um, a few a few weeks ago, I had lunch with Sean Carney, who, if you've watched the movie um, Unplanned, oh yeah, he mm-hmm. was the the um, sidewalk advocate who worked with Abby Johnson and, mm. and her conversion. Um, and and he was just simply there. And he like was whenever just whenever you're there. ready, right. we're ready for you. Mm. Yeah. He didn't push. He didn't yell. Um, he, he had a peaceful, prayerful presence. Mm-hmm. Um, and so whether there's a campaign going on around you or um, or maybe you can't make it out, or please know that it starts on the 25th, September 25th, um, and, and maybe in your own schedule, uh, plan some time for, because I see it, I, I see it. Our abortion clinic here in Baton Rouge, um, they're down to one day out of three days they were performing abortions oh, wow. because they're down to one doctor. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. It's working, like prayer works. And so mm-hmm. and fasting works. Yes, prayer and because, fasting, for Because sure. the, the great evil of abortion um, is one of those, I'm pretty sure, can only be driven out by fasting, right. by, by truly going to the Lord and, and doing without so that the Lord can um, can work on the hearts of those who who are hardened, right? Yeah, yep, yeah. absolutely. So, there it is. That's, right. That's a good pick of the week, yeah. Uh, Olivia. Yeah. <laughs> I remembered your name. Thank you. Well, <laughs> it's the least you can do. Uh, I've only known you for like 15 years. Yeah, it's that's fine. all, yeah. Um, but no, my pick of the week is something called the Bible Project. Um, right. So, I am a theology nerd. We've established that. Mm-hmm. But um, I also like want to find kind of succinct, helpful ways to teach people um, oh, wow. you know, just about like basic truths of the Bible, but also to help kind of put things in context, especially like weird things like the terms and things that, um, uh, that the Bible uses that we're not familiar with. It's just a completely different way of thinking. Right. So the Bible project is an animation studio, um, that they produce these short, fully animated videos about, you know, the biblical stories, they have like a series on the Torah, they have one on the wisdom literature, um, different, they have the, I watched a couple in the series on the like biblical words and that was oh, really cool neat. because they like take, um, you know, just different words from, um, like the Shema was one that they were like working through. Um, the Shema is like hero, Lord, um, hero is your, uh, your Lord is one, your Lord is God. Um, it's something that Jewish people say every day. Um, it's used a lot in the scripture. So they like break it open and they take the different words in Hebrew and kind of explain what they mean. Um, so the, the pair that, the team that uh, runs this project, they are Christian. Um, they're not explicitly Catholic, but they are Christian. Um, one of them is, you know, uh, someone who's studied the, the Bible. The, the other one is an animator. Um, and together they make these really cool videos. Um, so check them out. Um, they have kind of a 50s flair. I like it. Yeah, yeah. It's a little bit old school. And I mean, granted, I don't know much about animation, but I, I do know. appreciate these. They have a yeah. podcast as well, if you want to look Yes, they Very do. Very neat. All right, uh, let's go over to to the satellite there. And Jeff, Jeff, your pick of the week. I got a show and tell for you here. Oh, well. Uh, In fact, it's an app uh, for your phone. It's called the Roku. Mm -hmm. Roki. Roki. Thank you. Roku. There there are two different uh, versions made by two different companies. But this is so cool. It saves you so much time. You can, can, uh, in fact, 
play tricks on the wife. I'm in the bedroom <laughs> and I sign into the TV and you know the Roku in the uh, living room and start changing channels on her. So. <laughs> I'll bet she loves that. <laughs> no, uh, okay, that's why I'm here on Sunday nights. Sorry, yeah. uh, no, uh, yeah. but but it's, it's it's and what what I find I find myself pointing the phone at the TV and it's like it doesn't yeah, work that way through that. the Wi-Fi. Yeah, yeah yes. it's really cool. Uh, so uh, check it out. Uh, there's a, a link in the the show notes for this week, and it's very cool. It's, I think. For two bucks, you can get the ads removed. And uh, okay, and, now I I don't want to to rain on your parade, but you know Roku makes an app as well, mm-hmm. and uh, it's it's I mean it has a lot of those same features. Yes. Um, but if you if you don't want the price point of two bucks, then I'd recommend the Roku app because I'll tell you it's a little wonky if you have more than one Roku because sometimes it has trouble searching for them. Mm-hmm. But uh, well, this one uh, and and it is family shareable. I know for up to you know six different accounts. Oh, that's nice. So. Uh, um yeah so yeah, i guess you could get locked out sometimes it, do, it does it does happen especially if you're you know always playing tricks on the wife so uh, and the the roku app itself yep. is free I, I presume it is it is free right. uh-huh yep 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 uh so like i say um choose your poison for roku apps <laughs> okay. i suppose uh, my pick of the week actually is an app as well. Uh, if you're familiar with Focus and the Focus Missionaries, mm-hmm. um, there is an app uh, for that. Uh, they they have Bible studies uh, as well as uh, various um, kind of Catholic apologetics things, um, resources on how to do that. If you if you want to learn how to be an evangelist, how to to kind of practice discipleship. Then it's all there. Uh, videos, full-length talks from the Focus conferences. It's the Focus Equip app, hmm. and we will put that in the show notes uh, for you. Uh, Jeff, we are always grateful for our benefactors, for those who pray for us, and uh, well, you know what, Jeff? I'm grateful for you. Oh well, don't let up. We, we need your prayers for sure. <laughs> and this week, the Catholic Underground is possible because of people just like you. Join the growing number of undergrounders at CatholicUnderground.com/donate. An important way to support us is to like us, heart us, star us, and share us on your social media platform of choice. Mm-hmm. And if you really like the podcast now, just drive on by iTunes and leave us a review and click on them stars, baby. <laughs> I tell you what, it's it's kind of like going to a drive-in theater, right? Uh, you just drive on by and then, yeah. <laughs> do, you, do you know what drive-in theater is? Yes, I've been yeah. Oh, good. Oh, phew. All right. Okay, good. Yeah, it used to We're have that special, a dollar for a carload of people. So, uh, but yeah. yeah you those just, were the days. Those were the, the days. put the speaker on the car. Now you yeah. can do it with Bluetooth. All righty. Uh, yeah, our panelists have been Kathleen Lee, the benefactress, the Bluetooth ninja. <laughs> She's at K. Lee 626 on Instagram. Thank you, Kathleen. Anytime. Yes, Olivia Galino is at the.real.omg on all the social media. Thank you, Olivia. Thank you. I got that right this time, by the way. Very seamless. Our tech director is Jeff Blackwell at Jeff Blackwell Us on Twitter and Instagram. Thank you, Jeff. Always a privilege, Father. Our research assistant, the leader of the crew in the lab, is Jim Hayes. Our video and graphics director is Ed Ball. And thou knowest me, I am here before you. I'm Father Chris. You can follow me on Instagram at Digital Catholic and on Twitter at Digital Catholic. We hope that we have helped you cut through the noise and find that still small voice. We are the Catholic Underground. We're Faith Gone Digital, and we will see you next time.